Good morning. Uh, glad that you guys are here to uh, worship with us. That song is taken from Psalm 23 in the Bible, and we've been talking through that psalm the last couple weeks, and we're going to be speaking on this for two more weeks. Uh, the idea of stress busters, how God gives us all that we need to overcome the stress and the pressure of life. As you listen to that song, it, it's, it's peaceful. And in Psalm 23, it talks about the fact that God leads us to the green pastures, a, a place of, of rest and refreshment. You may be here this morning and your psalm may read, you know, the Lord leads me through the jungle. And that's a lot of times how life is. It, it doesn't feel like a green open pasture. It feels like a jungle where we're just trying to get through it with our machete. We're just cutting through the twists and turns and trying not to get hurt. And life is a lot like that. What we find is as we look at Scripture and in the allegory that we're given from Psalm 23, we find that when we enter in a relationship through Jesus Christ, God does become our shepherd uh, and we are his sheep. And in that relationship, he really gives us all that we need to make it through life, uh, to deal with those twists and turns that, that we experience. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the first part of Psalm 23, which is the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The idea of how to not worry about the future, not worry about the things in our life that we can't control, uh, that we don't understand, but really to allow God, the creator of the universe, to do what he does best. And that is to know what's going on and know just how he controls things and how he is really in control of our lives. Uh, last week, we looked at the idea of uh, he leads us. The green pastures, he leads us besides, beside quiet waters. And we talked about the busyness of life and how life sometimes, we have so many things on our plate, but not enough time to do it. And that causes stress. We run from one thing to the other. But we talked about how God really gives us the ability to choose wisely, to make the most of the opportunities he gives us, and ultimately to provide the rest that we need. Uh, this week, we're going to shift a little bit and talk about some different stresses related to things that we've done, things that have been done to us, and our relationships with people. Specifically, we're going to look at how God allows us to uh, overcome the stress of guilt, grief, and the grudges that we have. Uh, sounds like fun? Uh, it really is uh, something that God does as you enter a relationship with him. He allows you to deal with everything that we face. So we're going we're gonna to dig in that this morning. Um, psalm 23.3, we're going to continue uh, the 23rd Psalm, and there's four words which we're really going to talk about and build upon this morning, and that's the idea of, he restores my soul. Uh, the idea here in the psalm is that God takes everything uh, about us, our being, our emotions, our mind, our spirit, our will, and he restores us. No matter how many cracks we've experienced in our life, times that we've been broken, uh, he mends us. He puts us back together. And we're going to talk about that uh, this morning. The first thing that, that we can experience on the path to emotional hearing is uh, healing is to allow God to remove my guilt. Um, guilt is something that we experience because we do wrong. Uh, we're guilty because we've done something that we shouldn't have done. And guilt can manifest in lots of different ways. In Psalms, uh, 
we have a description of, of kind of what guilt does to us. And I think this is an accurate description. Sometimes it can be physical. We can actually physically be affected by guilt. Uh, a lot of times it affects us to the core of who we are. Uh, this is what the psalmist says. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I am bowed down and brought very low all day long. I go about mourning. And that's kind of like not the motivational verse of the day. But that's really what, what guilt does. It's like a weight that's on us and we just are struggling to stay on our two feet. We feel like we're going to fall anytime. It's, it's overwhelming us. It's this burden. You know, guilt can be that just that sickness you feel in your stomach. Um, it can just be that, that doubt you have in your mind. Why did that happen? Why did I do that? Uh, there's lots of different things that we do to, to manage our guilt. Um, we can deny it. You know, act like, well, I didn't really do that. Uh, it didn't really happen. Uh, we lie to ourselves. We, we try to minimize it. Well, it wasn't that big a deal. Um, we, we compromise by lowering our standards. You know, we, we, we think, well, everyone's doing this thing, whatever that thing is, whatever the wrong is. Uh, we rationalize it. We can blame others. Uh, one of the things I do is I just beat myself up. Why did you do that again? And I just carry the weight. What were you thinking? And I carry the weight. And the guilt just burdens and overwhelms. Uh, the only thing that works to really handle guilt in a real way is we have to give that guilt to God. This is where a relationship with God makes all the difference in how we deal with stress, specifically how we deal with guilt. What you find in Scripture is that even though that we are sinners and we are guilty because we've done wrong, God, as we enter in a relationship with Him and as He forgives us, we actually are whole. We are complete in that relationship. He takes that away and wipes us clean and makes us a clean slate. Romans 3, 23, 24, uh, you may have heard this verse, says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Basically, his standard. We all have sinned and fall short of that standard. Verse 24 says, And are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Another version says, All of us have sinned, yet God declares us not guilty. If we trust in Jesus Christ, who in mercy freely takes away our sins. This is part of the foundation of Christianity. The foundation of Christianity is that despite what we've done, God, through Jesus, takes away our sins. But have you ever just, you, you know, you've heard that, and if you've been a Christian for a while, we know that, but there's just a part of us where we feel, well, I still have to just deal with this for a while. When you sin and mess up, you ever have that experience, well, you know, I can't go to God yet. I have to, I have to kind of feel bad enough first. You know, you do wrong. You just, you kind of, I got to feel really guilty before I can be made right. If you're like me, there's those times where you told God, I'll never do that again, God. You do it. Did you see? And then you, you have that, well, I can't go to him because I just told him I'd never do it again. And we just have this, this childlike relationship where we just, we kind of want to hide in the corner, hope he doesn't notice. What the scripture is saying is that we don't have to play games with God. We don't have to beat ourselves up or let enough time to pass for us to feel bad enough. 
God takes away our guilt. He takes away our sins as we turn to him and repent and turn away from from what we've done. Uh, Colossians 3 describes this forgiveness further. It says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. No matter what you have done, whether it was today or years ago, as you enter a relationship with God, he takes that away and cancels the record against you through Jesus Christ. That is the hope that we have as we enter in a relationship with him. Uh, reminded me recently in my own life, I had this terrible track record with driving for a while. It was like, I need to walk everywhere. Um, and then I'd probably get busted for jaywalking somewhere. But I got in an accident. I think I shared that with you guys. Uh, the, the plot thickened. And like seven days later, I got a ticket driving someone else's car because my car was crashed. And... Um, you know that, that point in which like the cop's sirens go on and you're thinking in your head, it's somebody else. And so I was actually coming down the hill right down here. Watch it. That hill right there. And uh, there were two. There was me and another car. And we were both going downhill at the same time. And I see a cop at the bottom of the hill with that laser pointed right up. And it's like, uh oh, like, you know, you feel like a sniper just got you right here. And um, turned on his bike, turned on the siren, and came up the hill. And he pointed to the guy next to me. Pointed to him and said, get over. You know, and I was just like, he didn't see me. You know, and, and, and so I was, I was just hoping. I was like, oh, please, just let me go. And then he pointed to me, get over. And then you know that point, like, you, there's, no matter how many times you've been pulled over, and been just given a warning or given a ticket. There's always that part of like, if he just asked for my license and registration, maybe he just wants to make sure I have a license. You know, and you start rationalizing. And so the part you know that you're guilty is when he turns that ticket book open. And everything's fine. He's just checking his computer. That's at the point where he comes out and he gets that pen. He turns the book open. That's when you know you're done. And so at that point, I just started thinking, well, I wonder if his radar gun was calibrated. You always hear that? Like people that get out of tickets? Is your laser gun calibrated? No. Okay, sorry, you have to release me. Was his, was his uh, you know, badge, was it, was it valid? Did he renew it? I thought of, you know, I was thinking these things. And um, I know, I was desperate. And so I thought, no, I, this is ridiculous. I'm going to get arrested here. And so I, I didn't say anything. And then I opened my window as he's writing me the ticket. I said, officer, could I talk to you for a second? Sure. So I got out of my car and I said, Officer, I beg for mercy. This isn't even my car. I crashed my car. <laughs> and I, I can't get a ticket. And he, he just looked at me and said, I'm sorry to hear that. This is right. <laughs> and so he, long story short, Gave me the ticket and I, I drove away and it was just like, that's one of the worst moments of life after you've gotten a ticket. You know, you're driving and you go like 12 <laughs> in a 45 
And then you're fearful, like you're going to get a ticket for going too slow. And so I'm, I'm just going, I'm barely going uphill and just beating myself up. Oh, what are you thinking? I, and I, I couldn't get over it. So I went through traffic school and, you know, went through that. And then a few days ago, I finished and I went online to L.A. Superior Court. And on my ticket it says dismissed. And you know what? That felt good. And that's kind of what it is with God. You know what? With God, though, we don't have to go through all these motions trying to see how we can be okay or get out of it. We, we ask him to forgive us. And he does. Now, sometimes there are consequences, but he forgives us. And he dismisses that violation against us. And that's what it is with guilt. If we really ask God to forgive us of what we've done, he does. And he doesn't use it against us anymore. And that, that is really a beautiful thing. Um, the other thing God does to, to heal us, to restore our souls is, uh, we need to let God relieve my grief. Guilt is really the things that, that we have done. We may have done it to ourselves. We may have done it to others. Um, it's the wrong that we've done. A lot of times grief comes from things that have been done to us. Uh, from circumstances, from people, intentionally or unintentionally. Uh, grief is a real thing that causes stress. Uh, this can be tragedy. This can be pain. This can be loss. And what God is doing as a shepherd, he's saying, despite the tragedy in your life, I will restore you. Um, Psalm 31.9 says, be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. These psalms are describing the raw feelings and emotions that, that, that we face in life. And psalms is just... This is David, and he's, he's asking for mercy. People don't know what was going on in David's life in this specific psalm. But David experienced some really difficult things. And we're going to look at that in, in 2 Samuel 12. Uh, we have really a story of how David handled grief. Uh, David also had to handle guilt. Uh, he was the king of Israel. He came from humble beginnings. He's the same David that, that fought Goliath. So he had... He had kind of fame and reputation in Israel. And he uh, basically had a guy killed, committed adultery with this guy's wife. And because of that, God punished him and said, you know, you're going to lose your son. And in 2 Samuel, we, we find this account and what David did in the midst of this, this horrible tragedy. Um, the first thing we can learn uh, from, from David is that uh, his son died and he accepted uh, what could not be changed. Um, he basically asked God to, to spare his son and his son still died. And David was faced with the most difficult thing of his life in that moment. And we're going to read through what his response was. Uh, 2 Samuel 12, 22 through 23. Um, David had been fasting and praying. Just asking God that his son could be spared. And uh, when his son died, he found out he died. And he 
he went and worshipped God. We're going to look at that a little further. But his servants were asking, why, why are you getting up now? Your son's died. They were just expecting him just to be melted on the floor. And they're, why are you getting up now? And this is what he says. He says, he answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Um, what David is saying in that moment, in the hardest time in his life, is basically what, what's done is done. There is nothing that I can do that will change what has just happened. I cannot undo what's done. He makes this statement that's really a beautiful statement. That's, you know, I will see him. Basically, when I die, I'll see him. But there's no way that he can come back to me. What David did in that moment is he recognized the reality of dealing with what was before him and accepting it. And see, what happens with grief in our lives is we don't understand why things happen. And where we really hit a, a roadblock is we, we can't move past it. We have so many questions about why things happen that we never move past. And we stay and we basically live our life wondering why. What David's modeling is I have to, I have to keep going. I have to keep on living uh, my life. So he, he accepted what, what cannot be changed. Uh, the second thing he did in dealing with grief is he asked God for help. Second uh, Samuel 12.20, this was right after he died, his son. It says, then David got up from the ground after he had washed, put on lotions and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. What God wants to do no matter the tragedy that you faced or the pain or the loss, he wants you to turn to him and he will help you. David knew there was nothing he could do or anyone he could talk to except go and worship God. You know, it's very interesting. He, he hadn't eaten anything for days. But he knew it wasn't food that would help him. It was going to God and worshiping him. The very God that he had asked to spare his son. See, that, that's what happens at the crossroads of our life. There's times when we do not understand why God has done what he has done. Or allowed things to happen that he allowed to happen. We have a choice. We allow that to derail our relationship with God and all that we've thought about who he is. Or we accept that he's in control and we, we turn to him and ask him for help. The, the third thing that David did in this situation is he focused on what was left and not what was lost. Second uh, Samuel 12:24 says, "Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her and lay with her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him." This is an amazing statement, because in the midst of the loss, what you see is, as David asked for help, God blessed. He gave him another son. It says the Lord loved him. It didn't say David loved him. It said the Lord loved him. It showed that this was good. God was pleased. 
You see, that, that's what happens. God does not look at our, our, our loss and our pain and turn his back. Instead, he looks and he blesses us. He wants to make our life come together. He wants to mend the cracks that, that we experience. The thing is, is when we grieve, there is a process that we need to take. Uh, we all grieve differently. Some people just need time to, to reflect. People need time to cry, time alone. Um, however we choose to grieve, we have to bring God into the midst of the grieving process. Because if we want to just isolate ourselves and cut God off, we bear a weight that we cannot handle. Just like David was describing in the Psalms. I'm overwhelmed by my grief. God wants to help each of us in what we've faced. Um, the idea here that we can really learn as the big picture is the difference between mourning and moaning. See, mourning, we deal with the grief and the loss, and it, and it hurts. And all of us need to mourn over pain and loss and tragedy. That's a real process that needs to happen. What we have to be careful of is as that mourning turns into moaning. After we've, we've wrestled with it for a while and, and we've tried to understand, what we need to be careful of is when we just start asking questions like, why did this person do that? Why did God do this? And we ask those questions of why. And why did this have to happen to me, to somebody I loved? When it gets into moaning, again, we're no longer asking God for help, but we're taking on ourselves trying to figure out why. And so I encourage you, as you, you're, you're dealing with grief that you've experienced, whether it's, it's been recent or years ago, bring God in the mix of, mix of that. Ask Him for help. Um, the third thing, uh, guilt is a stress because we beat ourselves up. We can't get over it. We can't get over it. We wonder, why did I do that? And then grief is a stress because we wonder, why did this happen to me, to somebody I love? And it's a weight upon us. Uh, the third stress that causes a lot of stress and issues in our life is grudges that we have with other people. Uh, it's funny, I, I, I saw this, kind of this inward struggle in my daughter a few days ago. Um, a lot of times what you see in kids, they externally display what adults have on the inside. You know, because we don't want to dare let anyone see what we're really thinking about the situation. But I told my daughter, you know, she was doing something wrong and I told her, don't do that again. And she looked at me and just went. <laughs> you know, she kind of hurt herself. But what she was saying was, I don't like you right now. Good news is kids have sh a short memory. And she loved me when I slipped with the otter pop a little later. But um, <laughs> just kidding. I made that up. Um, but w that's kind of what it is in our relationships. Somebody does something because I blocked her golf. She wanted to pull the bushes. Someone else's house that it's not ours. And she didn't like it. And somebody blocks our goal. And we don't like it. 
And we're bothered that somebody has done something that's blocked what we wanted. And it can begin with an irritation, then it can turn into being bitter, and it can be anger. Before you know it, it's junior high all over again. Just one big problem that you're not even sure why there's funky tension between you. This is real. This happens in our relationships. Uh, Job 5.2 describes this animosity and what it does. It says, resentment kills a fool and envy slays the simple. What it's saying is, is over time, this will mess you up. You have grudges against people. It will mess up your life if you don't deal with it. At CIV, one of the ways that we want to deal with people and their relationships is uh, by the hard attitudes. And one of our hard attitudes is clearing up relationship with others. Relationships are messy things. They get off track really easy. Somebody says something they shouldn't have said, someone gets offended, and we have got a conflict. What we do practically at, like at our Lord's Supper, as we celebrate Jesus Christ's sacrifice for us as we remember that, we take the time to clear up relationships. And what we're trying to do as a congregation is restore relationships, mend the problems that exist. Um, but, but it's interesting. There's a part of us that we want to play the role of God and make people pay for what they've done. We want to make people pay. Romans 12 is basically saying, don't make people pay. That's God's job. It says, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. I encourage you, is there somebody in your life that you have an issue with that, that you've not dealt with? Uh, you are angry at them, you're bitter, you're jealous, uh, mad at them, whatever that is. God takes it very seriously, our relationship with other people. And when we have these relationships that we do not deal with, it really rots us from the inside out. That bitterness just decays us. And one of the ways that God relieves that and he restores our soul is he mends those relationships. Ephesians 4 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander. Slander is talking basically gossip, gossiping about somebody, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, Forgiving each other just as in Christ forgave you. Uh, in my own life, I, I had to wrestle with this. Uh, basically, kind of the spectrum of guilt, grief, grudges. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was uh, four years old. And I think for a long time, I, I didn't really deal with, deal with that. Uh, in high school, things started coming up like, you know, why did that happen? Uh, what did I do? Uh, the only memory I have, my father, and this is interesting, is, is the day he, he left. And he had his toothpaste, and he was coming down the stairs, and I just said, you know, where, where are you going, Dad? And he says, you know, I'm going out. And that was the last time he, he lived with us. And for a while... I think there was just some issues that 
that I hadn't really dealt with before God. Um, I had some just guilt, like, was it something that I had done? Um, and then that, that turned into, you know, why, why, did he, why did he do that? Why did he choose the choices that he made? And I began asking a lot of questions, really having an issue with, with my dad, but also having an issue with God. And when I was 16, uh, somebody was sharing kind of what we've been talking about this morning and how those stresses related to um, the things that have happened to us, the guilt from the things that we've done, it's kind of like a rock in your shoe. And you think everything's okay, but as you're walking, that rock is just digging in. And as you try to make progress, it is slowing you down and it's hurt. And this person basically said, you, you need to take the rock out of your shoe and give that to God. And so I, uh, I wrote my dad a letter. And in the letter, I said, you know, God, I mean, you know, Dad, I, um, you know, I, I forgive you for what you've done. And forgive me for um, the, the attitude that I've had, the resentment that I've had. And I just decided then and there that I was going to give that to God. All the questions that I had that I didn't quite understand, that I was going to allow God to be in control of that situation. And I sent that letter. You know, it wasn't like that was the end. Um, There's still issues. And what you find is as you deal with guilt and you deal with grief and even problems with people, those things come up. You have to continue giving those to God. You deal with them before God, and then they come up. You deal with them before God, and they come up. And after a while, as as you've been dealing with them in the right way and giving them to God, you find you you make progress. Um, I just want to share that because that's something that I've seen. God as my shepherd, as my heavenly Father. He took care of me. Uh, my mom remarried and married a man that that became my father. And the loss that I experienced, the Lord blessed. And I'm here to tell you, He will do the same for you. If you turn to Him, take the things that you're, you're frustrated by, that you don't understand, and allow God to heal you. And He will. Um, there's some next steps that you can take um, this week. The first thing is memorize Psalm 23.3. It says, uh, He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Um, you could also ask God for help in dealing with a specific guilt. Is there something that's come up your whole life, something that you've done, that you just have not dealt with before God? Ask God for help with that specific thing. Uh, third, clear up a grudge that you have with somebody. Uh, if you've wronged that person, go to them and ask for forgiveness. Make that right. If they've wronged you, forgive them. Take the initiative for your part. And then last, uh, you can choose your own next step. If there's something this morning that you sense God is telling you to do, go ahead and drop that on your connection card and we'll pray for you this week. Let's pray together right now.
God, thank you so much for how good you are to us. I know in my own life I've experienced good and and bad, and I've messed up a lot. I thank you that you forgive. Uh, We are okay not because of how we feel, but because of what you've done for us. We are okay because you've decided that even though we have done wrong, you sent your son to forgive us. And we thank you and recognize that you are the one that has initiated um, with us. You are the one that provides peace in the midst of the storm. Uh, You really are our shepherd who leads us. And we trust you. And we claim that this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.